Okay, sorry. My next note is, oh, I think I already said it. Obi-Wan and Yoda are talking to each other when Yoda's like, I can't teach him. He's, he has no patience. Um, I have a couple before that, maybe a couple. So the first one is just when we see Yoda. Um, so Frank Oz is the voice of Yoda. He is, um, he's basically, he's the Jim Hansen, Hansen's, uh, right-hand man. He does a lot of like different characters and I love him. But he is so annoying at first. I would I would be with Luke. I would be like, this little guy is so annoying. I would never be trained as a Jedi because I would be so impatient. He's so annoying. Um, yeah, so when they finally reveal, like, he's not patient enough. And I was like, oh, dude, I would have not gone to your house. I would have just smacked you into the swamp, honestly. He was really annoying. <laughs> See, I thought, I thought that was funny, but I also, it's hard for me to go into it not knowing or being able to just suspend my belief that this is Yoda, you know? So I thought it was funny. But I also kind of like the really funny trope when, like, the master is this really quirky, funny, or at least pretending to be that way person just to kind of see what their potential pupil is made out right. of. I I get it. I just would have failed. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, it's Frank Oz. I love Frank Oz and his voice. And I recognize it because of all the characters that he's played over the years. And then, like, he just is laughing and getting in his stuff and, like, throwing things. And it's a swamp and it's all dirty and gross. And then he eats his food and then he spits it out. And it's just, yeah. I can see why he was annoyed. And honestly, I wouldn't have made it as far as him, like, going to his house and stuff i would have been annoyed before that okay so my note is they're in yoda's hot home place of residence and you know he's annoying luke to no end and luke gets impatient and yoda's like i can't train him he's so impatient and basically has this conversation with obi-wan and obi-wan's like was I any different when he's talking about he has too much anger, he's too impatient, he's too reckless, and Obi-Wan's like, I remember being like that when I was young, and you trained me, first of all. And this is a prequel problem, not an episode 5 problem. But, like, we never see that side of Obi-Wan. We never see him be angry, impatient, reckless. Well, perhaps a bit reckless, but not really angry or impatient or anything like Luke in, in that sense. And also Yoda did not directly train or take on Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon did. Which we already talked about earlier. Well, but. Here's, here's my thought process on it all. So Yoda like uh, Qui-Gon Jinn he was like we're told that he was reckless he went against the council he never we never showed that but we were told that and then now we're being told that obi-wan was rebellious and i just at what point (laughs) like what what are i want to know what jedi are like because are jedi like mindless drone drones that don't have any independent thought and so qui-gon and obi-wan were reckless where they were like the crazy reckless ones you know what i mean like either our standard for jedi is 
different and we are mistaken or like they really they just think that rebellion means you know not doing absolutely everything that they're told because first of all in the first movie every time we see Qui-Gon he is the epitome of what a Jedi is and then we're told oh you defy the council don't do it again you know obviously he's done it a lot he's willing to train this boy that the council refuses to train he's rebellious and then now we're told obi-wan is that way and and, yeah that's annoying no i know and again it's the prequels fault more than it is this movie like if you took the prequels out completely you could be like oh obi-wan you know was like luke when he was younger and Yoda says, like, Jedi are, I can't remember if it's in that scene or later on, but he's like, we're calm, we're, we're still, we listen to the Force. We use the Force to defend and support, but never to attack. And they um, they're very focused the more on the mission. Be- Sorry, they what? attacked all the time. Yoda was the one that went and got the army. <laughs> Again, that's the prequel's fault if you just focus on five. But this is, again, Yoda explains the Force to Luke in five. And the explanation he gives is the explanation that you went with, remember, with the Force? Because that's what we all grew up knowing the Force as. And then one comes out and is talking about midichlorians. And I thought, like, there was just never, they never really dived in or dove in whatever the proper term is um, to what the force really is in four, five and six, somehow they got away with that. But then we watching four, five and six, they totally dive into the force in like four and five so far. So possibly all three of the original movies we'll see when we watch six and they never mention anything about these miniature life forms that live in your cells that talk to the force and then talk to you. And the more of them you have, the louder you can hear them and the more control you have over the force. They never mention that. They mention it as the energy that moves around all living things. And some people are more sensitive to it than others. Exactly. Which is, I think a much better explanation. For the force than midichlorians that are. That is the explanation. That's the explanation that we had for 30 years. <laughs> and then he just throws it away. Um, yeah, and I like, so my next note is when he's trying to lift up the, the I want to say the airplane, but it's not an airplane, the space ship, the ship, the ship out of the swamp. So the ship, I think my note Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, the, sh- the ship sinks into the swamp. So it's completely covered. There's just a little piece of it sticking out now. And he's like, oh, no, we'll never get it out. Um, so my note was there. Where was, was yours before that? Yes, mine is when he goes into the cave and faces the Darth Vader version of himself. Oh, yeah. My, my honestly my only note well actually I have two notes sorry one of them was when I was younger that scene was very difficult for me to understand watching it as an adult it has a whole new context and I really actually really love the conversation so Yoda's telling him like that's w- where the dark side of the force is very strong Luke's like what's in there he says only what you take in there with you it's an opportunity to kind of go in and face your darkest deepest fear oh hang on I had that because, as we know, fear leads to the dark side. And I love it seeing it as an adult. But as a kid, I had no idea what the heck was going on. <laughs> um, but my second note is that Luke 
does not trust Yoda very much because Yoda is like, you don't need your to bring your weapons in there. Like your weapons, you will need them not. And Luke just kind of looks at him like, yeah, whatever, and proceeds to put on his weapons belt and go in with weapons. So I just thought it was it was a funny thing to note that he doesn't apparently trust Yoda enough to not take his weapons with yeah, him. Exactly. Um, but trust him enough to go to where the dark side of the force is. I I had that note as well. I just couldn't read it and so I skipped it. But yeah, when he's like only what you take with you is that's all that's in there and I love that line because it mirrors the idea that he's taking this image of himself with him he has this fear of going to the dark side of becoming Darth Vader and he doesn't at this point he doesn't know that Vader's his father he just knows that Vader is a force user used to be a Jedi and that killed his father and he's worried about becoming like that And that is the fear that he is taking with him that he's been walking around with, you know, ever since he learned about the force. And I think that is extremely symbolic of his character, as well as him not leaving the the weapons. It's very telling of his character that one, he doesn't believe in himself or in the force or in Yoda well enough to not need weapons (laughs) going into something scary. He has to have weapons. And then also the fact that he, at this point in the series, he has learned about the Force, he knows about the Jedi, he knows that Darth Vader is a bad guy who used to be a Jedi. And that's, and he's so afraid, like his deepest, darkest fear is that he's going to become this person that killed his father. Like that just says so much about the character. I, yeah. Yeah, see, as an adult, you get so much more out of Star Wars. As a child, that scene just completely, I never liked it because I didn't understand it's, it. So I'm so glad that I'm, I'm watching it now as an adult and really understanding the deeper complexities of that scene. That was just beautifully written, beautifully done as far as character development and also kind of forcing the audience to look at themselves. Well, what would I see in the case? Right, which is Uh, I always love it when movies do that of like, they give you a question of if you were in this situation, what would you, what would yours be kind of how like, kind of like in Harry Potter, what would, what would your uh, Bogart be? What would your Patronus be? You know, like things that give you the opportunity to put yourself in it. Like if I walked into that cave, what would I see? I love it when movies do that and they bring you into the story. They don't bring you into the story, but they give you the opportunity to put yourself in the story. I think that's really cool. Um, And then my next note is, like I said, when they're trying to get the, the spaceship out of the swamp and it really shows the, it really shows the difference between Anakin and Luke because um, when he says, uh, he's, he's like, it's impossible. Yoda explains to him that the size, whether you're lifting a rock or whether you're lifting a ship, it doesn't matter. The size doesn't matter because everything is made up of the force. So it's heavy doesn't make it more difficult because it's not the same as weight. The force is a different entity than um, gravitational pull or density, things that cause weight. And he's like, there's energy, you know, there's between 
you there's energy between the ground and the ship and you just have to basically make more space in between the ground and the ship and Luke is looks at him and says you want the impossible and then he gives up and I think that is something that Anakin would have never done because Anakin was Mm-mm. He was so interested in getting stronger and being better and having more power and showing off. And he never, one, he never would have given up on somebody telling him that he couldn't do it or thinking that it was difficult. Like he never would have given up because he had this I'm the chosen one. I'm supposed to be amazing. I'm supposed to be great. And it really shows the difference between the two of them. And it's not necessarily good for Luke that he's like a quitter and he doesn't have faith in himself. It's like the two extremes. It's like Anakin had so much faith in himself that it was his downfall. Luke had so much lack of faith in himself. Good grammar. Um, He had no faith in himself. And so he was willing to just like give up. Like this is impossible. You can't lift a ship out of the swamp. And then and he and then Yoda, you know, Luke gives up. Yoda lifts the ship out of the swamp, sets it on dry land, and Luke is like, "I can't believe it." And Yoda's like, "That's why you failed." And I mean, he says it in Yoda talk, but and I feel like it really is. That's the difference between Luke and Anakin. Is Luke doesn't believe the impossible, whereas Anakin didn't believe he had limits. And so it's like, you really, we really got to find a balance here. Like that's why the, there's a balance in the force. That's why everybody's talking about balance is because like Anakin is so arrogant in his powers that he would never give up on something just because it was hard. That would make him want to do it even more. And Luke is like, I can't do it. It's impossible. I'm giving up. I don't believe it. And it, and nothing would get accomplished. So it's like, I love that everything comes down to the theme of, you have to have balance mm-hmm. and showing no I really like that. the difference between them yeah no I really like that I agree Anakin would have stood there and just and been like oh you say it's no different than lifting rocks and let me lift not only this ship but the this thing over here and like lifted everything into the <laughs> air like like a little show off Han attaches and attaches the Millennium Falcon to the Star Destroyer, and then so they can't find him because he's literally attached to them. And then when they drop their trash, yeah. they float away with the trash. But um, the bounty hunter that um, Jabba the Hutt hired figures out his plan and follows him, and so Boba, Boba Fett. Fett, yeah, Boba Fett follows him to the Cloud City. Um, and Obi-Wan, okay. And so Han and Leia go to this, um, Cloud City because Han has a friend there, Lando Calrissian, Calrissian, words. Calrissian. Yeah, (laughs) that guy, Lando. Um, he has a friend there. They get to the planet and they start shooting at him at first and him and, uh, Chewie, Chewie's like telling him something that he did and he's like oh I'm sure that was a long time ago he doesn't remember that and then you come and you find out that Han Solo 
got the ship from Lando. That's where the Millennium Falcon originated. It was Lando's ship. And Lando does the repairs on the ship. And then my only note is just the difference between um, Han and Leia and Anakin and Padme. Again, their intimate moments versus awkwardly intimate moments. They did the Han and Leia. Like you, we see them kiss a couple of times. We see like very intimate moments with them. And it's never awkward. It's never like we shouldn't be in the room right now. It's never, you know, she doesn't, it was never awkward in their intimate moments. And so that was the first one that I had. And then that's on their way to, to the, and even while they're there, um, the difference between Han and Leia and their relationship. So that was the only note that I had until there. And Han, well, that and like Han follows Leia's lead, when, like when she's telling him, I don't trust Lando. Um, I think it was about the C-3PO situation. Like no one could find C-3PO. And he was like, you know, we have people that could, uh, that Lando has people that could look for him. And he kept recommending Lando for like all these different things. And she was like, I don't trust him and stuff he took her lead and when Lando came and they had the broken parts of C-3PO there and Lando was like having trouble with your droid, obviously offering help. Han was like, no, no trouble at all. Why would you ask that? And I don't know. I just really like that. Even though Han might disagree, he kind of just takes Leia's lead and he trusts her gut instincts, even though he knows Lando and I also think it's not that huge a deal to him whether or not C-3PO gets fixed. <laughs> so he might not have cared whether or not that happened. I just thought it was a really cool kind of moment. I think it really ties in their connection and like you see kind of how the relationship works really well. Just kind of in that moment. My next note is... So... I guess it was a little before then. All, all throughout the Cloud City, you see this guy that works for Lando, and he's like a cyborg type guy. He has like this thing around the back of his head that's silver. He's obviously like a ha- part machine at the very least, if not all machine, just covered in something that looks like flesh. Right. right? He, the whole time, I just kept staring at him like, he reminds me. He reminds me of someone or something. He reminds me of someone that should be in Star Trek. The whole time I'm looking at him and I'm like, you don't look like Star Wars. You look like someone that belongs in Star Trek. Like, he just kind of looks out of place with the galaxy they built. Yeah, so that was my note. He distracts me from everything else because I'm a Star Trek fan as well as Star Wars. Maybe not as hardcore, but enough of a fan to look at that and be like, you belong in Star Trek. You would look right in place. I can just fit you in there nicely. Star Wars, though, you stick out like a sore thumb. And that's saying something, because there's a lot of really weird things in Star Wars. Um, And then my other note was that no matter how many times R2 gets in the line of fire, he seems to never get shot. True. Also, he can now, like, spew out smoke. (laughs) And, like... Oh, yeah. No, I think he was making the, the... door or something break to spear out smoke. No, I don't think he himself no, was. He I does. Think he was- like if you watch it, he just spears spews out like it's from his body. His little thing. <gasps> yeah. He does it. I didn't block the view I did not so they can't see that. it. 
Um, yeah, I think I was writing my note about him not getting shot, and I looked up and I saw smoke, and I was like, oh, he must have like been plugged into the computer. I didn't know he could smoke. Yeah, smoke. it's another one of his many abilities. <laughs> oh, yeah. much? Dang. So my... Okay, so I have a note about... So now Luke is having visions of his friends being tortured, mm-hmm. which was Darth Vader's plan all along. Like uh, Han even says, like, they didn't even ask me any questions. They just straight up tortured me for absolutely no reason. They tortured Leia for absolutely no reason. And it was because he wanted to set a trap because Darth Vader knew that if his friends were in trouble, uh, Luke would get visions of it and he would come. That was the trap. Um, and so Luke decides to pack up, leave his training and go and save them. And Yoda and Obi-Wan throw a fit. And they are so mad. And Yoda's like, if you leave now, you'll never become a, a Jedi. Your friends are going to die. The world's going to explode, basically. <laughs> like, you cannot leave now. If you leave now, everything is lost. And he keeps drilling this point home. And it just makes me so angry at the sequels. Because it's like, did they learn nothing? Like, why? Anakin had visions of his mom. And he wasn't allowed to go and help her. And that was a huge reason, like a huge stepping stone to the dark side for him was not being able to save his mom when he was having those visions. And it's why does Obi-Wan think it's a good idea for him to not go save his friends. And they also make a huge point about how Luke is not going to, he's not good enough yet. You know, he can't face Vader right now. He's not good enough. And then, and I know this is jumping ahead to the next movie, but in the next movie, Luke is basically a Jedi and he has not finished any of his training. And they're like, oh, you're good enough now. But they, why did they make such a big deal about him leaving his training at that point? If it was just going to be like, yeah, whatever, you're fine. It, it, it bothers me one. Yeah, it bothers me one that they don't learn from the mistakes of the past of like you should have let you should have let Anakin um, go save his mom or at least sent somebody to save his mom. You should listen to those premonitions. And if Luke didn't want to go and save them, then they should have said, "Okay, we'll go and send a transmission to the rebellion and say, hey, go save my friends. You know, like they should have helped him. Or done something to, or gone with him, like anything to try and help him. But instead, they're just like, never mind, we're giving up on you and there is another. And they, you know, the line about there is another possibility for the, for the Jedi to live on. And we know from the sixth movie that it's Leia. And it also kind of hints to the fact that at the end when Luke talks to Leia, but it's, I don't know. That part really bothered me. Like it just rubbed me the wrong way. I was so angry at Yoda and Obi-Wan for not letting him go for making such a big deal about him leaving one, because I know at the beginning of the next movie, uh, he goes back and they tell him, Oh, it's no big deal. But also because they didn't learn anything from Anakin. (coughs) So yeah. Again, prequels fault, not like episode five so much. Um, They could have fixed it in the prequels by, 
not giving Anakin visions, changing up the story with his mom. Maybe he got, he did follow the vision, but he got there too late and ended up the same way. Like something, um, again, prequels fault, not episode five, but I agree. Like if you, if, since we're going in order, we're starting with episode one, going in chronological order. It is very annoying to see that they haven't seemed to learn from their mistakes of not letting a young, hot-headed, very powerful force user who's wanting to become a Jedi not follow their visions of saving friends or family and not trying. And I don't know why Yoda feels like he can't go with anyone. Like, he he exiled himself. And maybe he's too old to keep fighting. I don't know. In 3, he was very capable of fighting, but that was like 20-something years ago. He's been alive for 800, or not even alive. He's been training Jedi for 800 years. Why does 20 years make such a huge difference? Well, I mean, maybe he ages the way that Obi-Wan ages, and this past 20 years has just sucked the life out of him, but still. (laughs) I just, I feel like, I mean, obviously, with the puppet and everything, they couldn't really make Yoda stand up to Vader, but I feel like if Vader were to go up against Yoda that would he would have no chance i honestly feel that just based on life experience and wisdom and that it's yoda who's supposed to be like the epitome of like the most powerful jedi force user out probably outside of anakin but on top of that he has 800 years of uh, he did training to palpatine though he did lose. That's why I said Vader, not Palpatine. <laughs> okay, so I mean, I'm sure this is very common knowledge, but just for people who don't know, originally when they are putting Han in the Carbonite, I think it is, sure. and Leia says, I love you, the original script had Han saying, I love you back, and the actor, Harrison Ford, who plays Han Solo, didn't feel like it didn't feel like it was very Han Solo of him to say, I love you back to Leia in that moment. So he wanted to change it to, I know. And so they let him do it at, at least one take, obviously, because it's in the movie. I don't know how many takes they let him do, but they let him, they did a few with him saying, I love you back. And then they did at least one with him saying, I know. And of course they kept that one. And that's like one of the most iconic like couples things. Like you can get couples mugs with, Leia's buns and it says I love you and then the man one has like something Han related I can't think of right now and it says I know and there's t-shirts and there's quotes on walls like it's all over I love you I know it's the most iconic like revelation of how a couple feels to each other in a dramatic moment ever and it was because the actor was so tuned in to how his character was that he stood up he's like hey i want to try this thing i want to go off script slightly and try it and i just harrison ford really is one of the better actors ever like in recent screen history i love harrison ford he's wonderful and that line is so perfect for han solo and for leia it and because you spent this whole time building up to these moments of you know they're their kiss in the hallways, they're or on the Millennium Falcon, him grabbing her hand and holding her hands after um, Lando kisses it. I love that. And I hadn't noticed it too many times before. 
I was definitely adult when I noticed it, but like he holds her hand um, after like Lando kisses it and he takes it from, he's like, uh, yeah, we're great. And he like takes her hand from Lando and then holds it. And I, it just builds up to it. Like the whole time he is very much pursuing her constantly, always he's the one uh, pursuing her. And then she's the one that makes a declaration of love first. And his response is, yeah, I know. And, and I love how quick it is. It's not like he doesn't think about it. He doesn't ponder whether or not he's going to say, I love you back. Like he just, I know. And then he gets frozen in permanent and she accepts it. She does. She's not angry. She's not annoyed. Nothing. She just like accepts it. And I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I love that. And I love that Harrison Ford did that. It was definitely the right choice to put that in. Um, and it was definitely a good choice for the editors to leave it in. I, I love that. Um, Think of how much mer- merchandise they would have missed out on if it was just a normal, I love you, I love you too. Like, think <laughs> of everything that would be gone if that line wasn't there. That one, those two words gave them so yeah. much in terms of merchandise, in terms of just iconic, being iconic, everything. So go Harrison Ford. I hope that he got like a percentage of. <laughs> what they took from the movie not just his salary but like a good percentage of the, okay. that merchandise um so my next note is luke is fighting um darth vader so i have one right before that and right after it so right before that so um han solo gets taken by the bounty hunter in the carbonite freezing and lando finds out that vader is going to take leia and chewy which is not the original deal and so he smuggles uh chewy with who has c3po and he smuggles uh r2 and leia into the millennium falcon and they escape and they leave and they leave luke like they know that luke is there she saw him and she yelled at him it's a trap so they know that luke is there obviously and he came with r2 and they just fly away (laughs) like they had no intentions of going back for him and they just left him there and i feel like I mean, it makes sense for Lando because he has no idea who Luke is and he just wanted to escape. But Leia and Chewie and the droids just leaving him really messed up, guys. Why Why would you do that to your friend? Maybe. <laughs> Maybe they thought that he actually listened to them and was on his ship flying away at the same time. Do they know Luke? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> apparently not no No, i never thought of that before but that's absolutely true that's so funny i mean obviously they go back later but that's really funny they were just like luke no don't go there is a trap and then like and they don't ever like they never tell him that they escaped so he could still be looking for them like trying to save them and and then like when lando betrays the what are the stormtroopers and captures them Leia doesn't say anything about like, okay, we have to go back to find Luke or we need to find nothing. Nobody says anything about it. They just leave. And I think that's hilarious, but also really rude. <laughs> um, and then, yeah. And then the next one I have is <laughs> after the fight with Vader. So what's your... It sounds like Vader... So he, Vader at this point knows for a fact that Luke is his son, right? And so I don't think... He, one, I, I don't think he is... Actually, I don't even think I don't think I don't 
I know that Vader is not going full out trying to kill Luke because he's told the Emperor that he wanted to turn Luke to the dark side, right? So he's not going full out trying to kill him. Oh, also, that was another change that was made was the scene between Vader and the Emperor. That was one of the things that they like digitally changed and added some dialogue between the original and what we have now. I actually was really happy and okay with it, the changes they made, because it actually helps the story, in my opinion. And it's the actor that we recognize as Palpatine, and it looks better. Anyway, so he had that conversation. He's fighting with Luke, and he says, impressive, very impressive, like at Luke, jumping out of the carbonite and fighting him and all this stuff. And I was like, is that a hint of, like, fatherly pride we hear in Vader's voice? Is he, like, (laughs) proud that his son is so gifted in the force like i just thought it was really james Earl jones for being you know quote-unquote only the voice of darth vader did such a wonderful job with it like he really captured like i know that this is my son and yes i'm trying to be evil and stuff but like i'm really impressed at his ability to evade me and to fight me because that shows how strong he is yeah i it shows it shows fatherly like admiration but we already know like vader doesn't want it like because as soon as he finds out that vader or sorry that luke is his son you know like he admits it i guess as soon as he admits that luke is his son he doesn't want to kill luke and i feel like he doesn't ever really want to kill luke at any point as soon as he feels like he's really strong in the force and he blows up the death star i And he's, like, hunting him down, like it says in the role, he's hunting him down. I don't feel like he ever actually wanted to kill Luke. He really just was super curious, is this my kid? If it is my kid, how can I get him on my side? Kind of, like, he he always, he never wanted to kill him. And also, he wasn't going all out, and Luke totally lost. That's true, because Luke was not a fully trained Jedi Knight yet, I sorry, I have a really quick question. Do we know at this point in time of this movie that Darth Vader is Anakin Skywalker, or do we still fall under the impression that Darth Vader killed Anakin? Because it's never he never says this is my son or anything. Like when he's talking with the Emperor, the Emperor says it is Anakin Skywalker's boy. And he's like, How could that be? And you're thinking, Oh, it's because He's what saying, how could that be? Because he killed Anakin Skywalker. How could he have gotten kids? No, the, dead the, and the, stuff. The and very so first reveal of that, the fact that he is Anakin Skywalker is when he literally says, I am your father. Yeah, so it's really, I mean, you could watch it and before knowing that Darth Vader is Anakin and that Lucas is son, you could, the impressive, very impressive could come off as just like, honestly very impressed like hey this is someone I want to turn over to my side and you know I'm genuinely happy and pleased and impressed that they are um, so powerful but then you know with the father you get that double layer it's, it just works no it is, which way it works yeah Wonderful it's very act. good storytelling the whole this whole reveal and the reason why it was so shocking to people is it was very good storytelling like it made sense from the beginning um in episode four, when he's talking about his friend 
and he hunted him down and he killed the Jedi and everything. Um, it all, it makes sense. Like the lead up to it made perfect sense. The fact that he was hunting down Skywalker made sense. Like all of it, the fact that he calls him Anakin Skywalker's offspring and he, because, and they talk about their, their, the person that they were before they joined the dark side as another person. They, they established that they do that. So it made sense. That reveal was such awesome storytelling and it, it made, I don't know, it, it's one of the biggest twists in, in all of cinema um, that he was actually the dad because because you feel like you hate him so much because he killed the dad. Turns out he is the dad. And I think that one of the reasons why Luke's reactions to it when he's like, cause he screams, no, no. And then he like really screams, no, um, is him remembering the cave and remembering his biggest fear is turning into this guy. And oh, now this all kind of makes sense that I would turn into this guy because he's my dad. You know, I, I love the reveal. The storytelling up to that point is, is very awesome and it adds so many layers to it and i ugh, they did so good on this on this this is the best storytelling we've seen so far in all of the movies amen. all of it. it all leads up to that moment amen um i can't agree with you anymore that is just so spot on the storytelling in five is just so wonderfully perfect i have to say really quickly that the line and i i've known this for a long time because i'm a nerd and it so many people misquote it they always say luke i am your father no 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 that's not the real line the real line is no i am your father because it's the reveal of like no i am anakin skywalker and people are always saying luke i am your father wait it's no i am your father (laughs) no luke yeah people always know say luke ah. i am your father and it's like that's not even close it's it's the mirror mirror on the wall thing <laughs> all the same so people think it's the right quote and it's not just so you know it's not mirror mirror on the wall. wait what's the mirror mirror so mirror mirror on the wall who's the fairest of them all is not the quote that's not what she says what does she say um oh, it's doing- magic mirror on the wall who is the fairest one of all Magic mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest yeah, that's one? That's the of actual all? quote. Who is the fairest one? Of all? That's neat. I actually like that better than mirror mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest? Yeah. One of all. So <laughs> I like that. I so yeah, it's like one of those things. Yeah, it's, misquote. it's one of the most misquoted uh, things in in all of cinema history. Is Luke, I am your father, and mirror mirror on the wall. So anyway. So my next note is literally right <laughs> after that. Um, Luke, Luke okay, senses, you know, like he can fall down this hole and he's going to be okay. And he drops like, so Vader gives him this big long speech about how he can join him and we'll, we'll rule the galaxy together. We'll overthrow the emperor and we'll just rule everything together. We're both super powerful. And Luke is like, no, I will never blah, blah, blah. And then he falls. And then it looks at Vader. And I mean, we can't see the actor's face, but I love the acting in that moment because his shoulders just drop like, like he almost face palms. Like he's just like, ugh, 
stupid boy. <laughs> like, you know, I love like without facial expressions. I love that part. Cause he, it's just, it's so fatherly of like, really you just fell. <laughs> like we could be rulers of the galaxy. <laughs> Come on. You know, like, I love that. And it's just like, he's just like, Ugh, and just like drops his shoulders and his arm. And it's just like, without having a face or anything, like you can just see the face palm disappointment in that moment. And I think props to the actor that was in the suit. He did an awesome job at that moment. I just, I just they chose, yeah. they chose the correct actor to be in the suit and the correct voice to fit the character. Because I, I was about to, I forgot earlier to say that the acting in that suit is so amazing because even though we don't have facial expressions and I did say earlier it would be nice to see some but even without them you get so much from it even without being able to see and that's so hard to do like as an actor myself I don't know I think it would be really I would definitely have to work on my yeah. mask work and on being able to physically portray things without having a face or and I mean, he was saying the lines at the time, of course, but also kind of without having a voice, knowing maybe someone else's voice is dubbed over. I love the face palm. I also got that. I got the sense like, crap, he's Mike. Like, this is how I <laughs> if know. If there was ever any doubt, Mike. now I know. <laughs> exactly. Like, dang it. He's just, he's just like me. Because you know Anakin would do something similar. He might have, Anakin might do a backflip or something as he jumps off. Yeah, he'd he be would, a little bit more stylish. He definitely would have. That was definitely an Anakin type move for sure. Um, another layer like- that I wanted to talk about, cause you were talking about how before um, Darth Vader really admitted that he knew that Luke was his son. Um, so in episode four, there is a scene where one of the, I don't know, the millions of generals and admirals and all those people that Vader kills, um, there's a scene where he's like, oh, all of the technology in this um, amazing Death Star is way more important than your old relics and religious beliefs and stuff like that. And he's kind of uh, talking about the Jedi and the Sith and like all the ancient religion or whatever. And Vader almost kills him because of that. But it's like Vader, up to this point, Vader is the only one that n- uses the force at this point i mean like there's there's palpatine the emperor but he doesn't really do a whole lot he's not really in the movies who knows what he's doing but i think having one of the reasons why he was chasing after luke was also maybe not necessarily because he knew it was a son or anything but also you could conclude like he's that is a force user like him and he's been alone in this since he killed everybody 10 you know 20 years ago and so now he has another opportunity to have an apprentice because vader's never had an apprentice anakin never got an apprentice he's never been someone's master he's always been the apprentice he's always been the one under it. he's always had a master and finally this is his only opportunity to get someone uh to be under him and to be someone's master and so anyway, I just thought that was an interesting layer, but but then we find out that he is a son, and that would be even awesomer to have your son be your apprentice. And so it just adds to all of the layers of Darth Vader making him the coolest bad guy ever. 
I agree. I never thought of it like that. I mean, I, obviously, I knew that he was really the only force user, especially that the Empire outside of the Emperor himself, all the admirals and everyone working under him, he's the only one they've ever seen. It kind of surprises me that they haven't come across anyone else who's force sensitive in all this time. Um, but maybe they just weren't powerful enough to pique Darth Vader's interest. I mean, or he's a force part knob, of the rebellion. So they'd have to be pretty strong in it for him to care. <laughs> well, Leia's really strong. She's about the same amount of Luke strong, but she, I guess the difference is she has never heard of it, has no idea that she can't use it or anything until after she meets Luke. Luke, when he meets Vader, has learned about the Force in, in some degree and been trained a, yeah. at least a little bit in it. So I guess it's easier to sense it in him. It's than like in Leia. been awoken. <laughs> the Force awakened. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a movie. Um, so my only other note, well, I had another note, but honestly, it's irrelevant. I, I feel so my, the only other note I want to talk about is Lando calls Han Han and I think I talked about this in an earlier podcast but Mark Hamill was talking about how George Lucas didn't really care how people pronounced people's names he's like yeah do it however you feel your character would say so and so's name like if you think it's Han it's Han if you think it's Han it's Han Chewbacca Chewbacca it's all good so so Lando's like the only one who calls him Han and everyone else calls him Han and it just now that I knew that tidbit it just stood out to me way more this whole movie than anything else for some reason every time he was like Han instead of Han yeah I it's kind of like um Sebastian in Little Mermaid where he calls her Ariel and everybody says Ariel and then he whispers in the prince's ear Ariel. Her name is Ariel. And he's like, Ariel? <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> I feel like it's the same thing. He's like, what is he trying to say? Han. Han. We have to say Han. And it's like, I think he's saying Han. Yeah. I, I feel you on that. And it, it's the same thing as Leah and Leia. In the first movie, they kept calling everybody. They kept calling her Leah. And in the second movie, they call her Leia. And that is obviously the one that stuck because I never knew her name was Leah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's <laughs> Leia in this one. And they all call her Leia continuously, which I'm grateful for. Um, so I have two more notes. One is the fact that we've kind of already talked about it. She kisses Luke. Leia. Like, <laughs> yeah. Again, she kisses Luke. for a second time. And... She literally just said, I love you to Han. Just, just like, just like an hour ago, told, told Han <laughs> that she loved him. And then, like, she's, you know, patching him up and hooking him up to the uh, uh, hospital stuff. And then she just, like, leans over, kisses him on the mouth, and then walks away. And it's it's affectionate and it's sweet, but girl, you. But do you think they were trying to establish like a love triangle for the audience, and maybe George Lucas let that go because he thought it would be even more of a shock value for when they found out they were siblings, and like this is why we have that connection. We're related. 
Um, but do you think they may be just trying to form a love triangle for the audience to root for? You know, I think absolutely. I think that's the only reason to do it is to make a love triangle. I, for me, I don't mind love triangles except for when people are dishonest and telling one person they love them and kissing another person. I have a problem with that. Um, and it doesn't bode well for Princess. I have discovered I don't necessarily love Princess Leia. I think she was such a brat in the first one. And in this one, she's like two timing these guys. And I don't love those characteristics. As much as I love her banter and I love like everything that happens between her and Han. I don't know. I, I like her less watching it this time. Maybe it's just a stage in my life right now, but it really annoys me. That- I was going to say, I love her more than I have before watching these in my stage of life. Now I, I love Leia even more as a character. Yeah. We're at two different stages. <laughs> and I noticed those stages that you said. I mean, I don't, I, I disagree about her being a brat in the first one. I, I did personally didn't get like a bratty, anything from her in the first one and this one i do agree yes she sold Han that she loves him like an hour before and then she like gives a kiss to luke but like you said it was sweet it was affectionate i kind of always just saw it as that like oh okay i have to go now like but i'm here and a bit weird that it was on the mouth instead of like the yeah, cheek or something it wasn't friendly but... it was it was very not i don't know it was very like i'm so happy that you're safe and stay here I'm you're safe I'm here for you like I don't know it was it's something that you would do with someone that you are letting them know you are interested and anyway I I don't like that at all um but it made the reveal really dramatic I guess um and it definitely had people um wanting her with Luke or wanting her with Han so it, it did its job. Um, my very last one is that the ending is awful. What a downer. Like Han is captured. Everybody's lost. Like who knows what happens to the cloud city. Like not a whole lot of good stuff happens at the end of that movie. And it just kind of ends. So it's it, it's supposed to be that way because it's a cliffhanger to watch episode three. But yeah, it has major like middle movie syndrome of you can't because of the ending. Like I would say this is just you could watch this movie and be perfectly satisfied as a movie. Like I said, it has great storytelling and everything like that right up until the end. And once it ends, you're like, nope, you you can't watch it as a standalone movie. You have to watch it with the episode three. Whereas one was it's a standalone movie. You can leave you could just watch one um but the storytelling is better in two and so like you want to watch two but you can't watch two and not watch three because it ends with everything up in the air and sad so i don't like the ending so you're you're you mean you mean yeah, four, five, i do and six, i mean you one, have two, to watch three. the next episode episode you have to watch episode six yeah so you have to watch episode six when you watch five Mm -hmm. you can watch four by itself and be fine with that movie but you can't watch five because it ends on a cliffhanger you have to watch six but here's the thing i think i love middle movie syndrome i must because a lot of my favorite movies 
have that. My favorite one of Lord of the Rings trilogy, which as you know, are my like all time favorite movies. My favorite one is two towers. My favorite so far of the star Wars movies is five. And it does not bother me that it ends on a cliffhanger at all. My favorite books in the Harry Potter series are like in the Mm -hmm. middle three and five. (laughs) Like I love middle stuff i love knowing that there's something i i think what i love is i love knowing that there's something more to anticipate good i love these characters now i'm gonna get more and seeing you know where they're gonna go from here how they're gonna get out of this mess so as i know you hate that but i i kind of love it the only time i don't love it is i i really don't like three i think three was darker like actual episode three revenge of the sith I think is what it's called. I felt like that was darker. And also it, um, I mean, even though I knew four, five and six were coming, it didn't, it wasn't like a middle movie. It was like the last in the trilogy that was going on. And then you knew that there was like 20 years of this horrible misery that would go on in the galaxy until this all happened in episode four. So I think that's the difference between me not liking three and loving five. But yeah, I I like middle movie syndrome apparently. I don't. I like movies to, I like movies and books to stand on so their I own was, and be a complete story all their own. But yeah, I just just because I'm a happy endings fan, and if this movie had like if I had watched Star Wars the first one, um, which was Episode um, Four, and then waited a couple of years and watched Four. episode five and then had to wait a couple of years to watch six. Like I, yeah, I'd, I'd have been a wreck. <laughs> I would have hated this movie. And that's the thing. That's what happened with me and Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings came out um, one year. It's like it, it came out each year um, in December. <clears throat> and that was way too long to wait. And that was even the first movie of Lord of the Rings ends really not on a good note and nothing is completed. And then two, at least there's like a victory at the end, two towers. There's a victory at the end of two towers. Um, and then you go into three because obviously they haven't mm-hmm. finished the quest that they started in one. So I actually feel like in, it's a different story when Lord of the Rings, because the middle one actually has a better ending than the first one. <laughs> But we're talking about Star Wars right now, and this episode five is, I don't like the ending, you can like the ending, and we'll watch six, and we will see how we like it after that. (laughs) Oh, sorry, also going off the love triangle thing, I noticed also that the end of the movie with Luke has like his arm around Leia. So poor Luke, does he think, because Leia kissed him earlier and then he's gone, right? He doesn't see anything between her and Han. He comes back. He's able to connect with her through the force. He falls down. They catch him. She gives him a kiss before he goes to the hospital. And then he puts his arm around her. Does he think at this time, at this moment in time, they have a thing going on? Because she has given him no possible reason to doubt that and then of course between five and six he finds out about her and and han because of what happens in six and 
he he knows by then. But like for this moment in time, and they all call him kid, even though Leia is the exact same age as him because hello, they're twins. They all call him kid, and even Leia kind of regards him as like a kid. Anyway, I also think if I had been a Star Wars fan back in the 70s and 80s, I always like rooting for the underdog. So I think I would have been one of the people rooting for Leia and you Luke to be been together. So incredibly but... disappointed and angry when you found out that they were siblings. I know. I know I would have been. But also, like, I think it would have depended on the age I was. If I was a teenager, it would have Ed and Kid. I think it would have been all about Luke. But as an adult, I think I would have preferred Han. Yeah. So I, it also depend on age. So teenager or child, Luke, but adult at any at any decade. I'm pretty I sure I, I would have gone with Han. Han. But yeah, we all know. <laughs> we all know that I have, I have a thing for scoundrels, as Le- as Leia does. <laughs> as she yes. points out to Leia several times, she has she likes scoundrels. Yes. <laughs> that is me. So I would probably have gone with Han, no matter what age I was. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, so that is that is episode five. And that was our take on it. And I think the takeaway was that it had great storytelling. A um, couple of the effects were a little off. Mm-hmm. And the love triangle is gross now because we know the ending. <laughs> um, but other than that, it was just it was the best one so far. I would definitely I would, I would definitely say that. So Amen. all right. So yeah, that's. <laughs> that's our show for for today this is taya this is laura and we are your little sisters productions and this has been star wars missed opportunities, opportunities.